But also one thing that's really important, if we think about the approval repair process, if I'm an investor and somebody wants $800, $900, that's not small change for me. And I mean, a lot of great real estate investors, that's meaningful money out of their pocketbook and they, they're not just pulling that out of a, their annual savings account, so it's meaningful. So how do you make the conversation and trust building in that moment to say, here, here's what I've got, here's why we're making the decision, here you can see for yourself, and this is a really prudent way that, that we're gonna go about it. This is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show, the show that will teach you how to build wealth with real estate without buying yourself another job. Today, you're going to learn all about how to maximize your net operating income on your properties by properly managing maintenance issues. Today, our guest is Ray Hespin, and today we're learning about his company, Property Meld, and how they help property managers effectively track and solve maintenance problems, keeping tenants happy, keeping tenants in the properties longer, reducing your costs on maintenance, and overall bringing in more rent because happy tenants stay longer, you have less vacancy, and you make more money on your properties. Today, we learn some of the biggest drivers as far as tenant satisfaction goes when issues aren't solved not every issue is exactly the same tenants care about some issues more than others and ray has the data we're talking about that today we also discuss how they find the best service providers or people to actually do the work do the maintenance at your properties how they work with tenants to get things scheduled and so much more effectively solving maintenance issues at a reasonable cost in a reasonable time frame keeps everybody happy makes us more money keeps our tenants in the properties longer so why shouldn't we do it? it's a great solution i'm excited to share that with you today I'm your host, Taylor Lode. I'm a real estate investor. I focus on multifamily and self-storage investing. To date, I've acquired, partnered on, or otherwise had a hand in over $250 million of commercial real estate acquisitions. If you'd like to learn more about potentially investing with us in the future, just go to investwithtaylor.com. Don't forget to subscribe and catch us here every weekday. Right now, once again, our guest is Ray Hespin. Let's go. Ray, thanks so much for joining us today. I'm excited to dive into the world of maintenance on our properties, how we can be more efficient with our maintenance processes and, you know, make more money at the end of the day. But before, before we dive into it, can you tell us about yourself, your background and how you got into your current business? So Taylor, first of all, super excited to be on. Thanks for having me. So just high level, what we do we're a software provider that automates a lot of maintenance coordination. We have around 575,000 rental units on our platform. And the way that kind of got into our business is a lot like probably many people that are on the show, but you experienced a problem and you're like, there's gotta be a better way to do this. And so I think it was in 2014, my business partner, co-founder, CTO had an atrocious rental experience where he was trying to get some maintenance done on his property. And the short version of it is, is we're here eight years later and <laughs> trying to do our best to make it better. Nice. So shifting that paradigm in our minds about being able to automate or streamline maintenance to me is that first big step because we might be tempted to think, how in the world could you put this on software or streamline it? Every property is unique. So how do you approach that problem of 
even, you know, turning this into a formula that you can automate. You're a thousand percent right. Every home's got a different HVAC system that was built in a different year and a model and a different microwave. And so it makes this business incredibly difficult. So there's complexity there. But the thing that's actually simplistic is like the things that need to happen in order to even get to there. You have to know about the issue and you have to determine that there is a right person that is going to charge the right amount and deliver the right amount of quality that needs to go there. They've got to coordinate with a resident and you're talking about two calendars, but ultimately they got to find a way to make it work. And then there's like the actual physical of completion and then invoicing. It Maintenance is very much as simple as that, but it's incredibly complex to get it to happen correctly every single time. And so what we've really focused on is that whole process is getting that all streamlined and, you know, happy renters renew leases and mean no turnovers or less turnovers. That's a good place to invest. Awesome. So let's put some brackets around the type of properties that your software works with. It's kind of funny. We were talking before we started recording the number of people who, you know, we know in common just through real estate networking, quite incredible. So that gives me some idea of who you're working with. But for our listeners, what's a target profile or type of property that you're really focused on? So a lot of our customers today are single family property management operators. So they tend to have to operate at scale where you're having enough maintenance where it's problematic. Um, but the thing that we're also seeing is multifamily starting to put like a lot more of a bend uh, towards maintenance execution. And so we're starting to see a lot more of that. Um, but primarily we got, we cut our teeth on single family. Great. Okay. So let's walk through those steps of the process that you had identified. It's really interesting. It's great to have a formula to think about that. So first off, I believe was identifying the problem that could come from many different directions, but with your platform, your software, how do you approach that in terms of figuring out what's wrong so you can move on to the right person and the solution? Yeah. So I think the big thing that I might take and why maintenance is so challenging because we, when we first built our product, we did the whole thing where we're mapping out all the if then statements of like all the different things that can go awry in maintenance coordination, like, oh, don't have the right part or need approval for repair or resident availability or vendor got sick. Like it doesn't matter. It maps out so complex, but you are trying to achieve very specific milestones. <laughs> and so knowing about the service issue and so property mode captures that. And then, you know, obviously to making sure that it's troubleshoot automatically in a lot of instances or not to make sure that you're not doing the wrong things and then making sure that it gets to the right person and it's scheduled very quickly using more technology and ultimately to verification of completion and invoice uh, recollection we try to target in our platform you want to try and get there's some statistical correlations if you do this faster the best correlation to resident satisfaction, which is ultimately a precursor for renewal, is speed of repair as much as anything else. And we got some pretty interesting data on that. <clears throat> but you want to compress that series of events quickly because that's going to increase your likelihood of a renewal rate and ergo not having to do a turnover, lost rent, all that sort of stuff. Makes a lot of sense. So you're sounds like you're starting out with... Uh tenant, you know, calling up or getting into the system, whatever it is, entering a ticket saying, I have XYZ problems. I'm my toilet's running and my AC's not working. And then you're looking to expedite the process from them making the report 
until it's it's finished. So is that right? Yeah, and just and just to give you an idea of like even even why that kind of that timeline is super important. <clears throat> we've done a ton of studies on our own data and our platform, and you've got certain time periods to get certain types of jobs done. So for example, if you get an HVAC issue, you don't have more than three days. You will get a bad rating, a bad experience, a bad potential decrease in the chance of renewal, three days. Yet <clears throat> on a plumbing issue, you have four and a half. On electrical, you have five. And so the ability for you to start like really managing and compressing the right things, it's not like an inbox first in, first out. You're really trying to look at your portfolio that you have and using maintenance, trying to optimize what is the ultimate return and decrease those maintenance costs, turnover costs, lease churn, leasing costs as much as possible. And so it's we've learned it's probably a bit more complex, I think, than even we thought when we originally got into it. Great. Okay. So I love the data and focusing on the most important or the most critical aspects from a tenant satisfaction standpoint and focusing on or, or adding insight to how quickly specific issues need to be solved so you really statistically start having an impact. I'd like to move on to talking about that right person to handle whatever repair that is. I think a lot of mm -hmm. folks can struggle with finding the right you know, electrician or HVAC contractor or whatever that can get the job done effectively, do it well, all that kind of thing. How do you and your platform help approach that problem? S super good question, Taylor. So we I had the fortunate opportunity to work with a large number of vendors on our platform. Like they're a huge component of this. Platform runs with internal technicians as well, like W2 repair folks. But we've got around 50,000 vendors in our platform. So we get to see every different type. And oftentimes the really challenging thing about being a vendor is like you can't grade the experience off of a one-off. Like, one, you know, we always make the joke that sometimes residents will get mad if you gave them currency and a gold bar instead of gold coins because it's heavy. Like, it's like there's no chance of making you happy. And so really... You need to have visibility inside your vendor pool of who gets things done quickly, at least consistently in a like more normalized basis, who are pricing you fairly and who are getting more consistent marks of resident satisfaction. If you do those three things, you've got what we consider a pretty healthy vendor network, but you've got to be able to have some visibility into those elements for you to start making those judgment calls. Like, do I, do I work with this vendor? Do I not? And yeah. Okay. So the topic of pricing things fairly, obviously we don't want the cheapest guy in town necessarily. We also don't want the most expensive, but how do you, especially at a statistical level, start to quantify or define like fair pricing, especially considering that, you know, every issue is unique and situation is at least slightly different from the other. Boy, this has been a hard problem to tackle. We've actually been paying attention to even just invoice price over the last like three years. So if you're looking at your HVAC invoice prices, a lot of people are like, this is crazy. Everybody's been following the Fed's 6% or 8% core rate inflation. It's not that in maintenance. It's I think HVAC right now is up 46% over the last wow. three years. So you have to have some of that visibility into cost. But I will tell you, it's really about reducing, like a lot of people have grown through their gut check that 
Like, I don't want the cheapest person because usually there's strings attached with the cheapest person, right? Like, but what you're really trying to do is drop the cost to maintain the property to the lowest place possible while maintaining a quality and satisfaction of the resident to what is like uh, an acceptable level. That's the game, right? And so a lot of people sit there and go, well, don't get the cheapest because I know what that's going to do. <laughs> and I don't want the most expensive because it's going to wreck the other part of the equation, right? It's really having visibility and we have a really cool product where we actually benchmark maintenance costs ongoing in real time. Property Melt facilitates around 2.7 million service issues annually and we get cost data on a lot of that. So if you're a property manager and you're trying to better understand like, am I getting reamed or am I really winning in this game? If you're just look back two years, it might not be valid. Oh, I got a hot water heat change out four years ago. That could be a completely <laughs> invalid number at this point. It's like, but having a real understanding of current market is like pretty important, especially after what we just went through from inflation to be able to make good decisions that ultimately maximize the, the NOI of that property. Yeah, absolutely. So this topic of scheduling maintenance with tenants, with the property owner, you know, that's can be obviously very complicated. Sometimes I would imagine you're dealing with, uh, non-cooperative tenants trying to get that scheduled. We're all kind of familiar mm. with that, but how does your platform approach that? You know, especially considering that timeline of repair discussion that we touched on a little bit earlier. What's super nice is the consumer industry has conditioned residents very well to use technology to schedule stuff and visibility. I always use this analogy. Like if you order Domino's anytime recently, it's like, it's not like when I was ordering, I used to be a Pizza Hut driver, love Pizza Hut, it's the best pizza in the world, but used to be a driver there. And I remember like, like if you were ordering pizza and you wanted to know where it was at, you called Pizza Hut and you got on the phone and be like, hey, where's my driver at? And they would lie to you, say that they were on the way, but they didn't have any clue, right? But Domino's tells you when it's in the oven, when it's out, who's the driver, when it's headed there. Walmart tells you everything that's headed there, Uber, Lyft. So the consumer has been conditioned to expect a certain level of experience and it's gone very quickly. And so it's actually translated really well to having technology coordinate schedules because they're used to this, they're conditioned. And I'll even give you another data point. I'm a big data guy, Taylor. I'm a mining engineer by trade, which is completely inappropriate for the industry I'm in, but I'm a numbers guy. We monitor how many service issues wait on a resident and it's less than 2% at any given time in our platform. Residents actually want their stuff fixed and they're willing to be open to their timing and open to the scheduling. And so our platform will actually using some different digital methods, email, text messaging, and just, you know, some special algorithms that we have. We get scheduled 85% of our repairs in less than four minutes if they use our scheduling platform. Oh, great. Okay. So very fast as opposed to day, two days, I call, leave a message, call, leave a message. Resident doesn't call me back that funness. Okay, so as far as onboarding service providers onto that calendar scheduling platform and everything, now you're really starting to add some complexity because you basically need to have whatever their Google Calendar integrated into this system as well. How have you approached that to make sure that everybody of everybody's availability is in there and accurate? The way that we tend to approach it, albeit there's some interesting innovations we have coming is we actually just use it as the facilitator, not the auto picker. 
Mm. So there's a difference, right? And if you're a, somebody in the trades and depending, we work with customer or the vendor supplier companies that service like 80 markets nationally. And then we got some that they work for themselves and they're Joe Schmo plumber and they wanted to be in the trades to manage their own schedule and be able to go to their kids' baseball game. And so what we've done is we've really worked to work on facilitating the scheduling. But the nice thing is, is after we've been around long enough, we've been a company since 2015, and we've got around 50,000 vendors on the platform, we've got so much overlap now that if you're in a major market, usually if you're talking to a vendor that services property management companies, they'll already be working for a property mall customer. And so it's like, ah, this helps me solve my problem. And I get one more person on the platform that I don't have to like work outside of in a weird phone call, emailing, weird thing that I'd prefer not to have to deal with. Okay. So from the real estate owner's perspective, the owner of a couple of single families that has them managed by a property manager, part of that agreement might include Maybe I say any repair over $800, you need to call me first and just ask mm. permission so I can verify it or whatever. And that adds a huge kind of step in this process, particularly yeah. when it comes to that speed of getting things done and all oh, of that. You touched on that briefly earlier, but how do you approach that? And also, you know, I'd imagine there's some level of carrot and stick with owners as well saying, hey, look, you need to make a decision quickly on these things, right? So how do you approach that whole big problem? I don't know if we've gone to the stick yet, but the, <laughs> the bar is the bar is actually really low when it comes to engaging investors. If we think about investors historically that aren't on, aren't, aren't working with a property mill, property management company, they get an owner statement at the end of every month said, "Here's your credit card bill. You don't have control over, and I'm going to send you the statement, and it's going to be this nice little shock and awe." Like it's kind of hard. So we've kind of taken the approach of how do we help our customers be a better facilitator. And so we've got multiple means at which we do that. One, you can turn on automatic updates on repairs. Do you know a repair is coming? Even if it's below that NT, the not to exceed uh, approval limit. But also one thing that's really important, if we think about the approval repair process, if I'm an investor and somebody wants $800, $900, that's not small change for me. And I mean, a lot of great uh, real estate investors, that's meaningful money out of their pocketbook. And they, they're not just pulling that out of a, their annual savings account. So it's meaningful. So how do you make the conversation and trust building in that moment to say, here, here's what I've got. Here's why we're making the decision here. You can see for yourself. And this is a really prudent way that, that we're going to go about it. I'd be dealing with that as an investor, even if I, even if I was self-managing, like I'm going to have that thing break, but if they're sitting there going like, ah, like I'm still enjoying that experience more. So We've actually got in our platform the way that our customers can seek investor approvals. And sometimes it's optional, sometimes it's not, right? Like HVAC emergencies, they're not. But there's a lot of stuff that they sit there and go, hey, I need to get this done, or I'm suggesting we get this done. And so we got something in our platform that allows the owner to engage, the investor to engage, and look at pictures, get some context, some information about it, and it's actually right on their phone. They don't have to download anything. They can view it, everything, engage, communicate, and just even approve right from their phone. So it makes it a much better experience. And again, the bar is really low. Um, so as sad as it is. And so we've got, <clears throat> we've got a, our, our process in there, even though it does slow things down, the average approval speed, I think is around six hours right now. 
across the platform. I mean, some instance, some take a little bit longer, but it is important. It is a critical path to get the repair done. So a lot of our audience are property owners, people who own single families, duplexes, quads, that kind of a thing, and have them managed by property managers. Although, as we learned before we started recording, some of your clients are friends of mine who own property management companies. But for our listeners out there who are the owners who work with property managers and are interested in you know, making sure that a service like Property Meld is utilized in their process, you know, how can they either advocate for their property manager to bring Property Meld on or look for a property manager that already uses your service? I mean, are folks advertising that they use your service or is it kind of <clears throat> background? Some do, some some don't, and I don't think we're necessarily super great at helping facilitate that. I think the big thing that every investor should care about is ultimately, are you maximizing my return? So I'm big into NOI. It's it's more popular in multifamily community, but it's becoming, I think, more important in single family is I got a choice to put my money in the stock market or I got my choice of my money to do whatever. Like I need, outside of just the sure appreciation of the property, I've got net operating income. The second largest impactor to net operating income is maintenance. I'll tell you the breakdown. So 5% goes to vacancy. Uh, 15% goes to property taxes. Not a manageable cost. We wish it was, but it's not. 12.7% is maintenance, repairs and maintenance. 10% is leasing. Now that is if you're investing, if you're self-managing, you're owning that labor. 5% is, I'm trying to remember. Anyways, it goes down the list like that. So everyone who's an investor should absolutely care that there's an expert managing the largest controllable expense in their business. And one of the things that a property manager should bring, and I believe the vast majority do, is the ability to optimize that through vendor relationships, quality of service. They've got some SLAs that are in there. So if I'm an investor, I will probably talk to a property manager of exactly how do they manage that? How do they make sure it's a good experience and they manage costs? Not move costs down to zero, because ultimately, a lease renewal is expensive. You're incurring costs. You're doing a turn. Your property's going vacancy. And even in this market, potentially rent compression if you're trying to renew now. Whereas if you get a renewal, you can potentially bump it up. So how does that property manager approach maintenance? And I think it's very fair to ask questions about what those, all the questions you've basically been asking me. How do you manage this? How do you compress that time? How do you ensure the resident's happy? How do you make sure that the vendors that you're working with are accurate in what they do? And so continuing to press on them, I think it's very, very fair. Okay, great advice. And I should note, at least want to make a comment that you're talking about NOI, which does not include debt service. So folks out there might be thinking, but your mortgage is all, you know, kind of expensive. But the specific metric that you're talking about, NOI does not include the mortgage. That's why the mortgage wasn't factored into your. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, no, great. Grant Taylor, great, great catch. As much as I, you know way more about the cost of borrow money than just, I do, I just, I'm a Neanderthal trying to figure out how the kids operate more efficiently. But. Just trying to make sure we're all on the same page here. I love it. Really interesting service, interesting value to property owners, and I'm glad you could join us to talk about it today. Right now, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. All right, Ray, I've got three questions I ask every guest on the show. Are you ready? I'm ready. Great. First one, what is the best deal you've ever done or the best investment you've ever made 
other than in your education? Outside of the education, and I would even, it's partially education, I got a phenomenal mentor that was willing to punch me in the nose when I needed to be punched in the nose. <laughs> and that accelerated my personal growth pretty significantly. So having somebody that you can trust and be able to do that, like it's sped, everyone's going to fail. But the speed at which you recover becomes incredibly important, especially when you're just starting out and the cost of failure could be the cost of it all. So having that a mentor was game changer. And taking their advice, that's a mistake that I made early on, having a mentor and not implementing quickly enough, but learn my lessons in that regard. So we had the best, every best has a worst. Now we go on to number two. What is the worst deal you've ever done or the worst investment you ever made? I Legitimately, this is probably one of the tough ones because Taylor, I've done a million bad deals and I've made a million mistakes. And I haven't come away with a lot of them that I haven't garnered something from. So you talk about that education. But I, I think the biggest one that I've made is taking people's advice at face value and not trying to understand why. I think that's one of the things that I learned pretty early on is I would spend a decent amount of time just taking blind, bold face value and not trying to gain an understanding why maybe acting, you know, I was concerned I was going to look like an idiot or something. But I think that because I've, as much as I've had great ones, I've even had great ones give me bad advice. And I know it's not super specific, but that's what I would caution my younger self against. Nice. My favorite question here at the end of the show is what is the most important lesson you've learned in business and investing? High potential people have five qualities about them. And I look incessantly for them now. One, how humility and coachable are you? Everyone can get kicked in the teeth. And if you can learn from it, it's awesome. Two is a part of that grit. Are you somebody who runs towards problems or run away? And if you run toward them, it's pretty uh, incredible. Three, ambition. You see something very special in yourself that maybe you haven't realized yet and you're fully convinced of it. You're convinced there's a bigger version of yourself inside. Four, how great of a communicator are you? Are you able to convey and communicate ideas to other people, convince, lobby? And then five, and I feel like an idiot because I'm trying to remember off the top of my head what that is. <laughs> so it's importance, but there's a fifth one in there. I forget what it is. Clearly is not the top there. Communication grid. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I'm going to kick myself after this podcast goes live, though, because I'll know. I'm sure that fifth one's just as important as the other ones, but the others are still great. And Ray, I want to thank you so much for joining us today, sharing this knowledge, how your business works and how this can add value and raise the cash flow for real estate investors. Where can folks learn more about you or your company? Propertymeld.com. Come check us out. You can learn a little bit on our website, kind of our philosophies, our thought process on maintenance is best place you can reach us. Awesome. Well, thank you once again for joining us today to everybody out there. Thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, please take a moment and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe and catch us here every weekday. Right now, I hope you have a great rest of your day and we'll talk to you on the next one. Bye-bye.